Program Haliva is a wrap, the final Challenger Series event of the year. And what an event it was, uh, what a wave it is. Some of the best surfing all year by a crew of plucky upstarts, all scrapping to make their mark on the world stage or claw their way back to the place they believe they belong. Full credit to those who took part and surfed in the event. So much emotion, uh, so much pressure, make or break surfing. A lot of these people weren't necessarily have sponsors and careers to go back to after losing out in the event. Uh, couldn't have been higher stakes. Mm. It was all on show. Heavy scenarios all round. What did you make of it? Far out, man. What a joy to watch. And, uh, you know, convoluted rating scenarios aside, it was just a pure surf comp, wasn't it? And, and so much so much going on, Smith, as you said. You know, a lot at stake and, and just so refreshing to be able to sort of really deep dive into it and uh, and just fucking enjoy the pro surfing on the ch- on the Changers, the Challenger Series, the final event of the year. So often it's uh, it's it's overlooked, uh, uh, basically sort of drowned out by the world title scenarios that play out at Pipeline and Sunset every year. But uh, this was just a, an absolute bell ring, and the, the surf smithy, the fucking waves, bro. I mean, it went from like opening day, pretty much perfect Hallyeva. Uh, to just Mondo, Storm Surf, North, Ripple, fucking Carnage, all the way down to just cross your typical sort of uh, windblown garbage for the women's final day. Saw a bit of everything. And um, yeah, it was just just an awesome thing to be able to sit there and just invest in what was going on. And uh, yeah, as we said in the last step, big props to Cowbell Warren hey. from the Lip Potty for keeping us up to date on sort of, you know, how it was all going to play out. It caught the best of him out for uh, Liam O'Brien, the burly battler, made the mistake that uh, he's not definitely not the first person to make this mistake, but uh, mm. after getting the news that he qualified for the World Tour, toasted the evening with the boys, thinking it would be a 1,000 foot tomorrow, only to wake up with a radically decreasing swell in the event call, called on. <laughs> yeah. Severely hungover, yeah. got through a heat, couldn't make the second, but uh, a classical stitch up. Let's just, uh, you know... At least he didn't take two tubs of acid and go to a South African doof and piss his pants like your old boy Smivy. Well played. Yep, well played. I don't think he's uh, he, he's not the first pro surfer to turn up with a head full of fucking, you know, clouds and regret and uh, have to paddle out for a heat. I mean, my favourite story of, uh, you know, an all-night, basically an all-night bender uh, only to wake up to an event the next day is, of course, my good pal Jeremy Biles. Uh, had an, a huge bender over there, actually fell backwards off a balcony, landed on his head, got woken up the next morning by uh, Jake Spooner and just told, hey, mate, your heat's paddling out at the Pipe Masters and uh, he paddles out and beats Tom Curran. <laughs> so uh, sometimes it can work for you, Smithy. Sometimes it can work for you. Not often, but sometimes. Well, these are the headlines from Hallieva Vaughan at number seven. The working class hero, the carnival strongman, wacko Jacko Baker, scrapes onto the world tour despite losing out early in the event. Uh, what an incredible year for the Merryweather board riders stalwart. We've got him on the phone. Let's hear Let's what he had to say. Oh, shit. Fuck, you're high, all right, man. You're about 50 stories high. 
Oh no, it's like 17. I'm fucking scared of heights too. It's like 17 floors up. Shit, isn't it? <laughs> well, you're living the high life now, mate. You're fucking qualified, you fucking <laughs> carnival strongman. Good job, done. How does it feel, Jacko? How does it feel to be breathing that rarefied air, mate? Oh, I don't think it's sunk in yet, eh? Like, it really doesn't feel like it. I'm usually a pretty emotional person. I haven't had a moment yet, so I think that's coming. So I don't know when that's coming. But I'm a bit nervous for it because I'll probably start crying or something. Fuck, mate. Hey, what a fucking kind of a week, though. How bad was it? On a scale of 1 to 10 for you, as soon as that heat went down that you got knocked, how, how torturous was that for a fucking week? Oh, it was... Oh, it was, I was trying to think about it in different ways. I was, Kakoa said it to me in a good way, Kakoa Bacasso. He said, mate, you dream about this stuff being in this position. And yes, it's hard, it being out of your control. But he goes, just being in the qualification uh, pitcher is a privilege. So I kind of, kind of took that on. But yeah, it still didn't make it any easier. <laughs> I was just like, every heat, I was down there watching those heats. And it was hard because you don't. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not someone to wish someone to lose, but it's an individual sport, and it's the difference between you and a dream you work so hard to to put, to to make possible. Um, yeah, it was an interesting experience, that's for sure. Jacko, you lost out in uh, the round of 64, despite surfing a pretty quality heat. Talk us through, uh, talk us through the loss. Um, yeah, it was a weird build-up, like such a long time. Um. In between France and that, um, and to get ready, um, but I felt like everything was right. Um, I felt good in myself. I felt good in my head. Um, spoke to a lot of people for some advice. Uh, Richard Dog Marsh, Louis Egan um, took some advice off Ryan Callan and Morgan, two close friends, and I felt like I was in a really good spot um, in my own head. I'm usually someone that can definitely overthink things and let my brain get the better of me. But rocking up to that heat, I felt really, really good. Um, but I'd done such a good job of blocking out um, the qualification scenario that I forgot to go the second wave of the set. <laughs> and that kind of kind of cost me cost me the start of the heat, um, which was a bit of a bummer. Uh, I think Crosby got an eight behind me, um, which was pretty hard to watch. Um, but then I... Got a eight, I think, myself for two turns, which I kind of pulled out of my ass, which um, felt felt pretty good. Um, but, yeah, it was that last ten minutes. I needed a five. I was like, this could be and, – and that's when the thought started creeping. I was like, you need a five to qualify. I knew I only needed one heat pretty much, and that's when the thoughts – I was like, push them away, push them away, push them away. Did- yeah, that wave came at the end, um, but I was just – I don't know. I've had so many buzzer beaters in my life. And I feel like I'm that good at him. That was probably the only time I probably haven't performed um, in that scenario, just because it was so much, so much weighing on that, um, which was which was pretty pretty hectic. But yeah, it was like a big, it was a big down. Um, I don't even know how to feel. <laughs> like after even a while, I didn't even really cry. Um, usually, I'm pretty emotional, like I said before. But yeah, it took a couple of days to sink in. But um, I was originally going to fly home early. Um, but then I chatted to my old boy, my missus, um, Ryan Callanan, uh, my strength and conditioning coach, Adam Tripaz, and they were like, you'd much rather be there and watch it unfold. And if you do manage to hold on, 
um, you'd much rather be there. And at that point, when we're talking about that, that felt like a miracle happening. Like I was like, no way, I'm qualifying. I just lost first heat. Like this is this is hectic. Yeah, mate. Let's go back to the start of the campaign. Uh, you know, and and when you thought in your own head, I'm good enough to do this. Like I belong on the world stage. What was that point in the campaign when you thought I'm good enough to do this? I belong on the world stage. Um, probably the new ECT was probably one of the biggest. Um biggest eye-openers in it and, and, and a huge kind of change in looking at my surfing, um, for sure. Um, never really been in a CT before and just being able to match up with those guys. And um, like at home, I guess it's a, like a lot easier than being on the road. Um, but, yeah, just being at home and surfing with everyone and um, the feedback that I got from people while we were there um, – and from then on, that kind of fueled the fire. I think, I know it sounds weird when you talk about yourself and improvement, but I think from that point onwards, I felt like I improved a lot within myself. Um, probably as an app, like probably as a surfer, I felt like in that six months or four to six months between that and the Challenger Series starting, I, I put in a lot of work and I think I improved a lot and that also helped me improve in areas where I wasn't so good like my mental state staying calm and stuff like that so I think just that bit of belief I was always someone that I, I never really believed in myself um everyone else around me believed in me um which was which which is always super nice but it's not until you really believe in yourself um where it kind of clicks and that's when at, like Huntington was a hard loss straight off the bat and I was like oh feeling so good before this blah 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 um and then once I got to Portugal and had a couple of those last minute scores on the buzzer and working with dog for the first time I was like all right this is this is my time um so that was yeah it was it, it, it was a really cool realization but there was still a huge huge job to be done from from that point forward it's a funny thing, self-belief. I feel like you know you're up against highly paid pros. Um, you've made it to the elite of the elite, and and you just the self-belief comes in the fact that you know fucking pushover. Um, you're on the world stage, and you just got to take it to cunts and fucking rip in at some point. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, yeah, and I think I, for a long time there, I think I I kind of was lying to myself saying that I had a lot of self-confidence um, when I didn't. Um, but yeah, once it once it clicks, it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing. And um, yes, there's always going to be ups and downs on the road. Um, but as long as you just always keep believing in yourself, like I think you could almost say that if you put your mind to it and you believe in yourself, anything's possible. That's my that's kind of my um, bit of a, bit of a motto after this trip. Um, you put your brain to it, um, put your mind to it, um, and have a goal. Um, anything's possible. Yeah, believe that you want it more and you deserve it more. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You fucking want it, mate. You you need this. You deserve it. Otherwise, you're going straight back to the fucking shovel, Jacko. <laughs> that's it. Look who I got with Yay! me. John Dorian. <laughs> What's up? Fuck, mate. Two of the all-time Challenger Series battler greats fucking in one room. <laughs> so sick. While we got you there, Connor and Jacko, like, fuck, it was just... I think uh, Smithy and I were just talking about it. The difference that the camaraderie made on the Challenger Series this year to any other year you've been on the queue. 
actually having the whole team, the whole country, you know, men and women, a smaller, tighter group, fully galvanized with one mission. How different was that to your previous years on the QS? Yeah, it was like this year was probably the funnest year I've ever had on the QE just because I think, like you said, everyone was kind of, yeah, everyone's on the same page. Everyone's trying to, you know, they got the same goals and everyone just likes each other, I think. You know, there's no jealousy, there's no, you know, big-headed, like, you know, there's not one person that's, you know, getting a lot of money. You know, we're all pretty, you know, level Fucking battler's paradise, mate. That's what it is. Battlers, yeah. And, um, you know, we just want to see our mates win and, you know, we're going to back each other, you know, wholeheartedly, even if, you know, we lose. You know, there's, um, yeah, we just want to fucking watch watch a bunch of Aussies win and, you know, celebrate celebrate the uh, achievements at the end of the um, at the end of each event and that's what we've been doing. It's been uh, pretty good. Like even though even that even though you know we didn't get everyone on tour at the end of this last event, um, there was so many sick takeaways from, you know, Kalani getting Sammy's to Fuck, like, even Billy, Stedman getting quarters, you know. There's, there's, deal making quarters yeah, in. Deal making. Oh, yeah, and Zach's. <laughs> there's heaps of good shit that happened that, you know, wasn't only just solely based around qualifying. So it was, it was fucking sick. And we all just have a hell time after each event and then, you know, get back on it and have a hell time. From a spectator's point of view, from a, a an Australian surf fan's point of view, I can't thank you guys enough for what you did. Like, you know, I haven't felt this way about Australian surfing probably since Fanny won his first world title in uh, 2007, was it, where, you know, you just had, like, uh, yeah, that in-the-trenches camaraderie, people pushing each other, um, you know, you guys have all come up together. It was a fucking joy to watch, mate. I haven't, I haven't felt this, you know, it was up there with watching Owen take out the bronze at the Olympics. Um, mate, it really was incredible. Seeing Cooper Chapman in the shore break, cheering you on, Connor, just seeing the boys come together <laughs> like that and the girls. <laughs> Fucking iconic. Absolutely it was, massive. It was just so refreshing. It was so refreshing to like, you know, for everyone to be on the same page of backing each other. And um, I think it clicked for everyone that after, like even after Jacko's second at Portugal, it was just like, holy shit, like this is, you know, it really inspired everyone to, you know, be like, fuck, I want to I wanna be there and I want my mates to be cheering for me and, and all that, even though we are. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're going to be there for whoever is making it to the end. So um, it's a sure. fucking sick space to be in, that's for sure. I, I've got a good Look what happened, boy! It was that good. Like, And, like, I mean, a lot of us had ups and downs along the trip, but no matter what the results of people were, no one would miss anyone's heat. Like, if, I, like if you lost early, you were down there. Six o'clock. If the boys had a heat, like you, you wouldn't miss one of the boys' heats. Like you felt that respect for each other that you were always going to rock up, regardless of your result. You were pumped to watch your mates. Like it wasn't like you're here for yourself. You're here for the here for the Irukandjis. Yeah, and you know we look at the world tour now, and we just had a challenger series route. So all you guys who toiled through this fucking arduous long challenger series and QS campaign on the roads for months at a time, multiple stays in quarantine, away from your loved ones, you now all get to graduate together onto the big fucking stage. And uh, I mean, you was talking about self belief before, Jacko, like. It's almost like there's a bit of a crisis of confidence in Australian surfing at the moment. And, and, and my kind of rebuttal to that is that 
we want it more. Like, there should be more desire. And, you know, there's fuck all money in the game now like there used to be. So it's just sheerly up to desire and want. And, and at some point, that has to transcend self-belief. Um, and it just, it, you have to get the job done. You have to leave no stone unturned and, and, and do it for your communities. Like, I know, Jacko, that, you know, you had a GoFundMe uh, behind you back in Merriweather. You had blue-collar people dipping into their pockets to pay for you and Philippa Anderson and send you on your way. And, you know, that's that's what's fucking, that's the fuel in your fire. So whenever you have to, you know, wonder, oh, do I have to get up for the early? Do I have to do this, tra- this weights training? Do I have to get to bed on time? Think of them pricks fucking digging holes and putting their money in your kit bag to send you on your way. Oh, 100%. That, that was the probably the best part when I got the call for qualifying. It was like, I didn't just do it for me. I did it for the whole community in Merriweather and everyone that pitched in. Like even if people didn't pitch in the money or whatever, it was even just people that sent you a message, like just messages of praise and good luck or good job. Like that, that is huge for us over here. Like being on the road for three and a bit months, we got a good crew, we got a good network, but getting messages from home and stuff and all the support. Like I think it was like I think it was probably the most watched couple QSs probably ever. I had that many people messaging me, Connor, all the boys were like, this is, like, the QS means something now. The Challenger Series is important. Um, I think the QS kind of got forgotten before. Mm. 100%. Well, I've got a question for both of you guys. Uh, is Connor still there, mate? Yeah. 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 Like, Connor, you, you've had a you've had a, a stint on the, the CT, a couple of stints, and you know that it's kind of has been, uh, particularly from an Australian perspective, every man for himself for quite a while, and... You know, everyone has their own entourage and, and their own. Are you guys going to be able to bring this, you know, this this new movement of Aussie battlers and the camaraderie that we kind of started with the Irukandjis? You guys picked up and ran with it, took it to another level. Do you think it's something that you'll be able to bring, like the Brazilian Storm have, you know, before us to, and use to great effect? Hundred percent. I mean, the the guys that all qualified, you know, Lobby, Jacko, Cal, myself. I think it'll just it'll bring a new light to what you know the other Aussies have been doing. Yeah, the, the CTs are pretty. You know, it, it can be very lonely, and I think that's just the difference between the Challenger Series and the CT. You know, everyone has their own little posse and their own little crew. But um, I think it's something that I took away hugely this year, the back end of this year. You know, having you know your mates. Having your mates on tour is the best fucking shit ever. And, um, you know, I'm going to be doing a bunch of events with Cal. I'm sure I'll be doing a bunch of events with Jacko as well. That's not if he's already sick of me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of myself, mate. <laughs> I, yeah. know, I just think it's I just think, fuck, we're just going to just pick up what we learnt this year and, um, and you know, put it into, into next year because, fuck, what we did this year worked. And, um, why fix what fucking what works well? So, yeah. Yeah, and how was it, Jacko? Just having Connor as because it really felt like uh, Con, you were a bit of a uh, you know the fucking sensei, like the the, the ringleader in a lot of ways. How how His important dad. was Connor to everyone's push this oh, year? Dad life. Who's full dad life? <laughs> nah, it's um, it's good. I remember like back when I first started the QE, like it was like Connor was saying it was every man for themselves and. Especially even just with the older boys, like if you were a young young kid starting the the QS, there wasn't a lot of like no one was really taking you under their wing. It was every man for themselves, and um, yeah, 
go fend for yourself and learn the hard way. But this trip especially, like, all of us hung together. Everyone was looking after each other. Like, for someone like Cal Robson, this is his first, like, proper stint on the QEs. And he's just gone and smashed it out of the park. Like, and it's from that guidance and that from the older boys like Connor and just, just enjoying the journey. The biggest thing I probably learned from Connor is regardless of the results, you just got to enjoy where you are. Fuck, it sounds like he's forgotten about the Shire and he's been living on the north coast of New South Wales too long with that hippie <laughs> bullshit, mate. Oh, hippie guy, eh? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's been like, we did a trip to Europe the other year and stayed with Stewie Kennedy and Dino Bowen and Connor and just... um. Just the camaraderie we had then, like that's mm. when we brought it into the like the wider, the wider community of the of the Aussie surfing. So, yeah, bloody oath, mate. I just think everyone's on the same page, and that's why it's fucking working so well. Fuck yeah, um, yeah. Everyone's backing each other, which is fucking sick. Well, that's it, man. When you're in those difficult times, when you're in a big heat or any kind of big moment, there is an unquantifiably amazing impact of looking around and seeing people who've been in that position in your corner you know what i mean like you're looking up and you're fucking sweating bullets you want to vomit you want to shit your pants but then you look up and you've got and you've got crew who've been in that position and they know exactly how you feel they know all the right words to say and uh mate the fact that we haven't had that for years on the qs is almost for sure where Australian surfing's gone wrong and exactly what has led us to the position that we're in. And so now it's up to you guys to carry the baton forward and restore us. You know, it doesn't matter really like what the results are as much as just surfing with a bit of fucking pride, a bit of mongrel, and uh, just ripping in, you know. Self-belief be damned. Think of the fucking people that put you in that position when those dark thoughts start creeping in. There's no time to think about yourself. Time to think about others and fucking rip in. Fuck yeah. Just fucking having a crack with you. Just having a bunch of beers with your mates. You fucking always have a crack. <laughs> hey, boys, um, just before we let you go, uh, fucking huge congrats on behalf of all Swillians, all Australian surfers, all surfers and Fuck battlers yes, globally for what you've done. But um, tell us about what's waiting for you when you get home because uh, – I got a feeling. I know Newcastle's going to fucking be basically in '97 grand final mode when Jacko walks fucking off the off oh, the plate. I hear there's a ticket tape parade. It's all going to go down. Fuck, I'm that nervous, but it's that exciting. I think those. I think those three days of home ISO might be good to just kind of kind of gather some brain cells. Yeah. Well, hopefully your uh, hangover washes off by the time the pipe masters starts, mate. Oh mate, oh, yeah, I'm already, I'm already, I'm probably more shit myself about the qualification party than going head over the falls of pipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well done, lads, and thanks so much. As Smithy said, you know, fuck, it was such a fun year to watch. I think the uh, the new format of the Challenger series just works so well, just for, in particular, just getting a spotlight on fucking the battlers, like get on guys who have been fucking grinding it out to no real noise or uh, fanfare. And it, it really allowed everyone from every country, really, but particularly in this country, it gave us a chance to watch you guys in action and uh, come up against top seeds. And fuck, it was fun, man. It was fuck such was good. good viewing. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it was fucking sick. It was just like, I guess it gave everyone a reason to, to back us just because they know, you know, everything about us and, you know, that we're all trying to be as humble as we can, but also try and, you know rule the world in the surfing, you know, part of it. So it's fucking sick to have your support, lads, and couldn't do it without you. 
Oh, on you boys. Oh, fuck yeah. Can't wait for this new fuck season. Yeah, Let's go, boys! Let's fucking tear it up! Let's rip their hands off! Rip their fucking hands off! You're listening to Blitzed. Ain't that swells fully chewed out pro surfing gun fest? Ooh, yeah. At number six, John John Florence demolishes the field as predicted. Never looked like losing from start to finish. Uh, the performance climaxing with what else but a mesmerising perfect 10 that everyone from the WSL judges to the blind nun at the Catholic school could mm. agree on, Vaughan. Mm. Oh, what a performance, Smithy. An absolutely otherworldly off chops fucking JJF masterclass. And I just don't know how you feel about this when you're paddling out you know you've just got the good news you're on top of the world you've qualified for the world tour you know everyone who's reached this sort of uh the the peak level of their careers up till now and then having to watch that go down in the final like what does that do for you smith what does that do to your psyche when you're going yes this is it i'm at the top of the mountain another mountain to climb sure but i'm in it I know how to win now. I, I deserve to be here. And then you see JJF do that. Fuck it. You're going to have nightmares until May next year, mate, or until February or whenever the Pipe Masters is. Yeah, you've just got to stand back and applaud. I feel like most of the, the competitors in the field were just simply in awe at his surfing. Mm. There's very few people in those kinds of conditions that can hold a candle to John. Like, he is on another fucking planet. Yeah. And I don't think... Uh, I don't think anyone would dispute that. I don't think anyone can really challenge that. I think, you know, Jack Robinson is uh, probably the only other guy on the world tour who can perform uh, within cooey of John in those kinds of conditions. And he got fucking, he just got worked over in the that's final. That's the thing, Smithy. Like, Robbo looked like he was busting his guts. Like, and he put in some fucking Mondo rail fucking packages and got, you know, just typical Robbo flair. And, and we love him for it. But, I don't know about you, mate, but geez, John John looked like he was just cruising a lot of that event. He never looked like he was, um, you know, it, it never looked like he had that, uh, I'm up against Gabe or Idolo, like I'm taking it to another level. I'm going to, like, you know, he didn't seem to be challenged mm. to me. It was like he was having a lot of fun. And in that last, you know, exchange, he just let it all hang out. But it, it never felt like a full blown heavyweight battle at any stage for John John. No, and the 10 in the final was just the perfect proof of that. It was so cosmic. Uh, you know, when you're surfing good, when you're in rhythm, when you're dedicating yourself in the right way to the art form, it's almost as though the ocean backs you up a bit and throws mm. you little hidden bonuses. Mm. You hear Slater talk about this a bit. 100%. Um, you know, just just like sneaky little, uh, you know, foam balls hitting you under the board, giving you an extra little squirt of speed, you know, little fin releases here and there. And uh, I mean... I think everyone who's surfed to a, a modest level has experienced some version of this, mm. and I guess the higher up the rung you go, you know, the more you see, you more, the more you see it. And uh, mate, the fucking ten was just—it <laughs> was just so fucked good. up. I mean, the opening finner, the way he repositioned on his board in a heartbeat, you know, just before bottom turning. That's mm. that. I think it's just him and Toledo. I mean, I, I guess the top guys all have the capacity to do this, but that. You know, in serious Hawaiian energy, you're going backwards on a six-foot wave mm. and you, you're spinning your board around and repositioning your feet and on the wax. Straight and straight into a full monster hack. It's fucking mind-blowing. Straight into a critical gouge. Yeah. And then here comes, you know, Mother Nature's little Yahtzee, little, <laughs> little bonus section, little bonus tube section, and then this gurgling, like, tailor-made end section ramp. Yeah. 
that no one had hit basically the whole event, or at least not with that kind of conviction. Mm. It wasn't the biggest ramp in the world, but fuck the pop he got, he got off pop. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and just perfectly rotated into a, I don't know what the wind was doing, but it, it, you know, no grab, full rotation, stuck it clean as a whistle. Oh, mate, it reeks, Smithy. It reeks. It's so whiffy of uh, a bloke who dead set. I mean, he was shocked. Do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't take off on that wave with um, that intent. You just didn't see it in, in his head that he was like, okay, I'm going to take take this one to the next place. Because at the end of that wave, when he lands that air and he, he sort of, you know, uh, what's that called? Pats the dogs down, to, uh, down through the whitewash back into the flats. Once he starts riding out of that, he looks up and it's probably the most animated we've seen John John in a long time. Like, he was baffled. He was going, and it's it taps into exactly what you just said, mate. It's the universe. It's the mana. It's like, here you go, mate. Just uh, here's a little blank canvas. See what you can do with it. And by the end of it, he was going, that thing just kept on giving me the perfect, you know, option. It, it, like, it, when I came off the bottom, it was just sitting there and I didn't even have to think because I don't think he was going, fuck, I'll throw a big finner reverse on the first thing and do a fucking giant hack on this little double up section that just appeared out of nowhere. And yeah, the tube, like fucking, where did that come from? Like, I mean, it was just, a, it was a cover up. It was an accident, wasn't it? There was one other tube in the whole event, I think, Connor Coffin, uh, yeah. on a very different kind of wave. But the hairs were standing up on my neck as you were talking, Vaughn, because I feel like this is like a universal truth. What lies on the other side of hardship and struggle is like unimaginable plentiful rewards and mm. this is like i don't know whether this is the universe Bounty. or god or gaia or whatever it is but if <laughs> if you toil and if you are able to break through the hardship and come out the other side the rewards are unbelievable and i mm. feel like john has toiled man he's you know fuck dude guys from a a, a difficult home life single mother mm. he, he's he's had some emotional volatility i think in his career that's been you know really evident in the way he's dealt with losses and you know almost self-sabotaging in karamas after uh, after that early round loss, attempting backflips, you know, doing his knee for the mm. second time in succession. Yep. He's gone back to the drawing board, put in heaps of time in the gym. You know, everyone at the event site's talking about the size of his legs and the, just the pure physicality of the man. Mm. And he surfs like a man possessed throughout the event, uh, you know, dropping an 18, whatever it was, in the opening heat and just just winning in a canter. And then the very last wave of the event mm. nails a perfect 10 that is Probably, you know, up there of the best waves ever surfed in an event at Haleiva. Would probably have to be the best wave ever surfed in an event at Haleiva. Have to be. Didn't miss a beat the entire wave. It was just bonus section up. You know, it, it was just mind-melting surfing. Mm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And uh, it just has to, everything to do with flow state, doesn't it? it when, like you say, you put in the hard yards, you get to a place where you're not even having to think anymore. Uh, and you reach that sort of uh, level of spiritual... Just, you know, there's no head noise. There's no nothing. Um, for John John going in those events, it just is all about setting off the family and giving the Hawaiians on the beach something to cheer about because I'm sure there's not really much... Well, there's no consequence for John John other than to destroy the dreams of others, mate. <laughs> and I don't think he's really got that in him anyway, you know, that, that Slater enjoyment, that mm. sort of... Uh, what is that called when you, you enjoy... Is it masochistic? You enjoy the pain of others? Uh, yes, yeah, sadistic, masochistic, one of the two, yeah. yeah. It doesn't seem to really get off on that. But, yeah, I, I just – the mind boggles me next year, man. I just – is it possible that we could have 
you know, uh, a top four scenario. And when I say top four, you know who we're talking about. I've been saying it a lot lately, but it's Italo, Felipe, Gabby and John. And then that next that next tier of guys who haven't quite earned the right to be in that convo yet, but your Ryan Callanans, your Jack Robinsons, those guys who uh, have all of that just simmering, you know, it's simmering there. If they put it together and there's that cluster of maybe six or eight, which has happened in the past, man, there was, um, you know, the BL uh, world title year. I think there was six guys in the running going into that event and uh, they just set up these fucking just mouth-watering scenarios. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can imagine Callanan or Jack Robbo getting on a heater and just being in that combo. For but sure. right now, the, the heat is with John John. It, it is all about John John. Gabby won the world title last year, and it almost feels like a long-distant memory, doesn't it? Mm-mm. And he would have learned so much in that layoff, in that rehabilitation process. And let's hope that he, you know, he, he can produce – less emotional volatility and, you know, just stick to the game plan as opposed to uh, some of the the bizarre flare-ups that have just cost him now like more than two years out of the sport. Mm. Uh, Good call, mate. Definitely uh, spells well tied to me. If you, can, if you can keep it mentally together, I think that's what it all hinges on. Blitzed. A pro-surfing orgasm deep in your pineal gland. Mm. Number five, Jack Robinson, the Vortex Shaman, the winner of Snap's 50k prize purse for the best section in that incredible film. By default, but sure. Sure, he'll take it. I'm sure he'll pocket it. The last start winner of the Mexico World Tour event. Still couldn't do enough to beat John John, but a runner-up made him the best-placed Australian in the event. He's on fire at the moment. He is. He's just got a fucking mountain. He's a he's a flame ball smithy. He's like a uh, what's the uh, character in Double Dragon or uh, Street Fighter? You're gonna fight. 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 Now the Vortex Shaman is probably the most informed surfer in the world, just in terms of momentum. You know, coming off that big win, breakthrough win. We all it's. We all know what those sorts of things can do for a surfer who's had a lot of pressure to be the next big thing since he was 13 years old. Now he can rinse off all of that. He's had his breakthrough wins. He's performing in Hawaii. You know, he's got a pipeline win. He's won at sunset. Halle Eva, a runner-up finish there. It's just all building beautifully for the Robbo, mate. Come on, Robbo. Hey. That's right, yeah. I mean, style-wise, reminiscent of kind of AI and Corey Lopez mashed together. Um, mm. The way his upper body pivots, so strong through the core, and just incredibly surf-fit and in rhythm. Uh, you know, I, I saw a bit of footage emerge from uh, his Instagram account uh, featuring Matty Bemrose, the, the curl curl king, mm. uh, just like looking at the most fucked, horrendous sunset conditions, just going, mate, there's no fucking way I would ever set foot in that horse shit. Mm. Neck minute, Robbo's getting <laughs> tubed, doing just like skitty gouges and wraps in like really open ocean, onshore, horrendous conditions. His ability to just pick gems, find diamonds in the rough, uh, and just match his ability with the, the canvas in Hawaii mm. is second to none. Only, well, second only to John John yeah. Florence. And Agreed. as you said, Vaughn, his record in Hawaii is fucked up. Uh, 2019, which is, I guess, what was that the last. Uh, did we have a full season in twenty twenty? Twenty, I think. No, we didn't. Twenty twenty was wiped out because of COVID. Correct. I think so. Yeah. 
Yeah, we must be. Yeah, so 2019. So he, the last. Because Italo won in 2019, and then that's right, Gabby yeah. won in 2021. So, yeah. yeah, there was a year off there. So, so the last kind of conventional lead into a season, Jack Robertson's form was fucking off the charts. Uh, one sunset. What. Like the, probably the best performance at Sunset in history. Won all six heats on his way to winning the final with the highest combined total in the history of Sunset. I'm pretty sure, or at the very least, the most uh, you know just demanding fucking performance, commanding de- mm. performance. I'm looking for a uh, couple of pits that look like across a North Point and backdoor at a wave that doesn't ever really look like that. Um, and then, so you're kind of looking at. Now Jack pivots towards the World Tour. I don't know what happened in 2021. He just fucking, he looked unbelievable in the lead up to Newcastle in the free surfs, but, uh, you know, lost out earlier than he would have liked there. I think it was a ninth and then a 17th in Narrabeen. And it just kind of, his season just seemed to puncture uh, confidence-wise from there until the very last event. But looking at the first two events of 2022, Pipeline and Sunset, Mm. I mean, Far out. It's really only John that is better than him in those two waves. Well, we were calling it, Smivy. Uh, I think where it all started to sort of peel up, peel apart for uh, Robbo was we were expecting him top three by the end of the first three events, right? And then uh, when COVID hit, uh, he hadn't had a result at Pipe and Sunset got cancelled. So, like, that kind of put a dent, I think, just psychologically, even if it was subliminal, mate, into where he wanted to be heading into the Aussie leg. But, of course... You know, things changed and uh, all of a sudden he was scrapping. And I think there's a massive conflict going on with Robbo where he is probably the most natural talent in waves of Kona Quince uh, alongside John. Like mm. there's no one who can fucking just, you know, fucking half-heartedly swivel, turn and put it under the ledge of fucking 15-foot West Bowl chopes like fucking Robbo can. But he's also got a lot to prove. Whereas John, John, Gabe, these guys don't have that in them anymore. So they're they're surfing with a lot of joy, and they're looking for the they're looking for the enemy. They're looking for someone to lift them, you know. Whereas Robbo, I think he can get a little caught up in just wanting it so bad, and and you know fighting for it. And like if you look at it, man, he's had a fair few altercations in the last couple of years. You know the the run in with uh, Zeke Lau as he was coming out of the pit at sunset paddling over the top of Julian and vice versa. Him and Jules have had a full-blown heater going for a couple of years. And he's just like, he's up for the fight. Mm. But I just wonder how much that clouds his natural instinct sometimes. Mm. Uh, personally, I think Australian surfing is fucking primed for a, that sort of energy again. You, you look at the morgues, you look at Robbo tapping, you know, wanting to go deeper than just his natural talent, wanting to get some fight into his into his frame. And I reckon it suits him and... Yeah, I reckon just a couple more wins and he might start to relax and then we start seeing stuff like John John was doing at Halle Eva. Yeah, interesting to note too, uh, he got beaten at the Pipe Masters at the start of this year mm. in, in the first event uh, by who else but to go. Ah. I mean, just an incredible, <laughs> incredible fucking, just like, it's just such a cosmic uh, exchange there. You've got a guy who is what, 50 years old, 49 years old mm. at that point, up against the new prodigy, the tube pig of all tube mm. pigs, the modern prototype of what Kelly once was yeah. uh, at a wave that, you know, n- there is no wave on earth, I don't think, that Robbo loves more than Pipeline no. and Backdoor, uh, nor the GOAT. And there they are facing off and who gets him but the GOAT. I oh, know. Handing him a ninth place finish. Probably, you know, 
if, if, if Robbo doesn't lose out in that heat, he probably goes on to final or win the event and it changes the trajectory of his whole season. But uh, couldn't get and past. Mate, that's, that's what I'm talking about, though. Because imagine the GOAT going, yes, I've got Robbo. You know, like I can't see the GOAT paddling out against Wade Carmichael. or And no disrespect to those guys, but the GOAT can only be inspired by who he's up against. You know, that's what brings out his best now. That's where he, it, that's what sparks his fucking interest and gets his competitive juices flowing mm. like a fucking spit pig. <laughs> and uh, I reckon it's, uh, yeah, it's no surprise to me that they're the heats that, that lift the goat, mm. get his uh, aura shining. I reckon that will rate with one of the all-time greatest wins of the GOAT's career in his own mind. I don't mm. think, uh, at least of the last five to ten years, I don't think there is a single performance he would rather hang his hat on than beating Jack Robinson at the Pipe Masters. Mm. Yeah, well, I was uh, just watching the other day, uh, Smivy, that heat with Goat and John John in just flawless chopes. Oh, 2014. And I'm telling you, man, oh, there is no greater heat in pro surfing history. That That is our equivalent to the Rumble in the Jungle yep. or fucking uh, the Thriller in Manila. Like, just a full-blown fucking alpha males at their peak – Absolutely going at it. And and like till the hooter. Like oh. you know, uh like the the they've been obviously epic encounters before. The Gabe and, and Italo uh pipe final is one that springs to mind, but you could see the, the paint starting to peel off Gabby, you know, with five minutes to go. It was almost like, Oh my god, he's just shrinking before our very eyes. But the the goat and John John's chopes heat. Go and watch it again and just treat yourself to a fucking cone fest of biblical proportions, mate. The high line that Slater draws around that uh, foam ball on the quad, like he gets impossibly high in the tube on that West Bowl. It is just the greatest tube breed in competitive oh, history. It's right ever, up there. It's ever. fucking mind-melting. Seen tens of million times, but that's as good as it gets. And there's a perfect, you know, there's a straight line between that and the Robbo heat at the Pipe Masters mm. because, again, John is a kid on the come-up. He is the prodigy. He is the, the pinnacle of contemporary tube yes. riding up against the old sage, the Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> and he fucking feet, yeah. Oh, well, Bodhisattva. It was uh, what, what was the result there? It was it, it was, was a dead, dead heat. tire, dead heat, and uh, count back. And who went through on the count back? It was Kelly, yeah, Kelly and Gabe in the final, and then uh, Gabe just pulled a goat on the goat, just snuck around and, and got it done. Mm. And uh, I mean, far out of it, it almost felt like an anticlimax at the time. But what Gabe's gone on to do, you you look back on it now and you're like, fuck, mate, that's where you get him. Like he would have come off the most emotional high of his competitive career, and I think you're right. I don't think the goat looks back on sort of world title wins or any of that. He looks back to moments where it mattered and that heat against John John, the heat against um, Jack Robbo, for example, exactly illustrates what you're talking about. But then to get into the final and just sort of be snuck around and outplayed, oh, it just drives me mad. I reckon the goat's lying there just at night time, you know, licking his pillow, licking the salt cube off his pillow. Just can't deal with it. (laughs) <laughs> Beaten by Gabe in his debut at Chopes. That's a, a fitting way to lose, really. I mean, even though Gabe might have been juicing those kind of more south mm. direction ones, getting a, a bit longer tube time instead of going the throaty west ones, I, he might have gained the system a bit, but, uh, you know, fair play to him. Yeah, it worked for Rocky. It worked for anyone. You're listening to Blitzed. Ain't that swells rousing and exquisite reconnaissance into the sordid, sodden cabbage that is professional surfing. You're welcome. Number three, 
Ua Sakura. <laughs> Betty Lou Sakura serving Woo! up some spam with a side of taro and wasabi oh, taken the out. Halle Eva for the Lokes makes it two from two for the North Shore Kane. Mm. Well, I mean, she's actually from Honolulu, but uh, yeah, definitely done a fair stint at Halle Eva, and it was a popular, emotional local, local victory. Everyone from Strider to Ross Williams to Kaipo on the broadcast, uh, all overcome with emotion. Fucking incredible surfing. What victory. a little weapon, mate. She is just so into. Well, we, uh, we, I think we told the story last week or the week before, Smivy, that she was devastated not to be allowed to compete in the uh, Digital Triple Crown uh, last year, too young for it. And now she's just come out uh, at Halle Eva, took down Carissa Moore, and I think we made note of that as well, Smivy. You know, we, is Carissa unbeatable this year, 2021? It'd just be the best little cherry on top of her fucking perfect Sunday to uh, come out and just take out a, a win at home and... Upstaged, mate. Upstaged by Betty Lou, Sakara Johnson, and what what is going to happen? Just uh, comes from nowhere. Does the big bolt? I thought the bolt might come on the men's side. I was honestly thought Kalani Ball or uh, or Chippo Wilcox was going to get that, but it was Betty Lou. And wow, what a performance, eh? Just I'm, so full of intent. Just a thing. Just a few years ago, she's uh, you know, posing with Carissa in photos. She's up to her waist. You know, mm. she's a, a full-blown tiny grom. And at 15, 16 years old, she's dusting her hero in overhead Hawaiian rights. It's like almost an impossible equation. Mm. But gets the job done, gets on to uh, uh, Gabriella Bryan, the Kahaya Hart, Dustin Barker, Kawain Wonderkane, taking out second with an incredible frontside display as well. So much heat coming out of the islands, bro. Mm. And I just want to make mention, Smivy, that uh, it just seems like getting coaches for each wave is, is becoming a really good idea. I mean, uh, a lot of surfers now are just getting to breaks that are sort of, you know, have their own little nuances and their own character and personality flaws and just taking sort of a general approach to that. It can work, but having that insider knowledge is just really reaping the rewards. We've seen it with uh, Carissa down in Bells. You know, she'll uh, often lean on Kale down there who's a... Uh, you know, a surf coach as well as the podcast and, and numbers geek. <laughs> but, um, yeah, seems to be working. India Robinson, another one. I think she was doing work with uh, Joel Centeo over there, former event winner. So it pays to tap into local knowledge, mate. Hey? I mean, it seems so obvious, really. Mm. But, geez, you can really just put yourself in bad positions at a wave like Halle Ever with a constant rip bowl running through it, you know, wind affecting it, like all those little tiny things. You can just have one bit of information before you paddle out that can get you. Make all that difference. Absolutely. Blitzed. Oh, so much pro surfing, it hurts your corn. Number two, India Robinson's hack of God and Molly's Melt Vaughan. Uh, the Ooh. Bells Bolter, the Bird Rock Enthusiast, the Torquay Tough, toughs it out, shakes off a serious brain injury to get the job done at Halieva. Powerful frame, uh, but super agile and light on her feet. Shades of Tyler Wright, almost a, a female equivalent of a Wade Carmichael or even a Pancho Sullivan, if mm. you will. Um, I love the power. I think she's going to take down some names of that kind of surfing if she gets herself on the best waves in the heat. Great. And uh, I was at the HPC High Performance Center up there when the final semi and the final were on. And uh, everyone, mate, was just hovered around the TV, 
cheering on every ride. The nerves were just at peak level. And uh, obviously, mate, they took a leaf out of Smithy's book. Gave you the, your advice. Get some fucking mongrel back in there, mm. mate. Ditch mm. the phone, put put the gravel in, chuck the girls off the fucking skate ramp straight into the gravel. And uh, India just getting it done. I love a surfer who just knows what their strengths are and just absolutely goes for broke with them. You know, India just did everything that she could uh, to just muscle her way through that draw and put it beyond doubt. And a uh, bit luckless in the final, really. You know, just one of those ones where uh, there was a lot of waves moving around her and couldn't find them. God knows we've all been there, Smitty. Mm. But uh, just so good to see, A, a Victorian, B, another power surfer back into women's surfing, and C, uh, a woman who really spends a lot of time encouraging young girls and young grommets to get into surfing. I think she's a bit of a, uh, I think she's a bit of a swelling queen to uh, a lot of young kids around Australia. So does a lot of that sort of, um, you know, next getting groms into it. Mm. Does a lot of that off the radar, just through her own uh, Instagram and her own little. Uh, projects and platforms that she's got cracking. So a lot of joy to see India Robinson get through. Ecstasy for India, but agony for uh, the Seni Coast Queen, Molly Picklam. Sad story there. Came up agonizingly short of qualification. Lost out in a semi-final tussle with Betty Secura for a spot on tour. And uh, it all came down to the final seconds, Vaughan. Molly only needed to take off to get the score and get out of fourth place. But unsurprisingly, she mustn't have been across the WSL's quantum physics-based rating system and so seemingly didn't realise what was required. Is, is that uh, – what was your read on that whole saga, Vaughan? Well, there's a lot of banter going on, you know. People going, does she know what she needs? Like, does she know she needs a mid-range four, I think it was, like, or a five. Mid-range four or five. Um, it was heavy, mate. And then, you know, as she took off, I was thinking to myself – well, this is the moment we spoke about. It's like, am I going to attack the fuck out of this Conor McGregor style, a.k.a. Uh, with the little Irishman in her ear just going, mm. attack it, attack it, attack it, rip the Or is she going to uh, try to just get it done and, and sort of aim for the, the five rather than an eight? And it just looked tentative and nervous, unfortunately. You know, she hit that section, had a little bit of pop out of the, out of the tail, but then just went over the handlebars and... Oh, geez, my heart sank, man. But it was just looked undercooked. It just didn't look, didn't look like it was really going to happen. Mm. Oh, it's a weird thing to say because, fuck, I reckon Molly is full of arrogance, full of, like, schutzpah. Mm. And, um, but it, it never actually felt like it was going to materialise in the dying seconds of that heat. I do not know why. Yeah, I mean, if it was the case that she was unaware of exactly what was required to get herself onto the tour. I think that hints at a real structural problem the WSL is up against. Mm. And that is this rating system and all this ambiguity about what surfers need to progress. Uh, you know, it, it, it says like they have to, what they have to realize is that someone like Molly Picklam or anyone in that challenger series circuit for, uh, you know, for instance, they're all spending tens of thousands of dollars to get themselves around the world. Um, so much sacrifice, so much hardship. There, there can't be little glitches in the system at the pointy end. Uh, there needs to be someone on the ground doing the maths, telling them exactly what they need to know in order to perform in the heat and, and get themselves to the next level. If there's, if there's anything... Um, you know, left to ambiguity. I think that's a fucking major failing mm. and that needs to be sorted out quick smart because it's just not right at, at that level of sport 
for there to be ambiguities yeah. in the rating system. One thing that I uh, – it's a silver lining with the Molly situation is that I actually believe she'll be a much better surfer next year because of this. Um, you know when you're a young up-and-coming star, like Molly actually has an entourage already. She, she's a big-time – uh, prospect for not just Rip Curl, but for you know all of her sponsors, for the region, for uh, the people who are in her inner circle, um, and you know expecting yourself to get onto that ch- championship tour, and also you know getting on there and expecting yourself to to do well, is a lot different to making that happen. And I think that this is a little wake up call and. You watch how good she surfs next year. I think she will actually dominate uh, the regional series, the challenger series, and do it really easy. And then it'll be fireworks on tour. Blitzed. Enough surf porn to fill an old sock. At number one, born the Aussie Challenger Series route was realised in the men's division. A huge performance in what will go down as one of the toughest and most iconic QS Challenger Series campaigns in surfing history. Uh, unlike, it's unlike anything we've, it's, it's unlikely anything like this will unfold again. With our fellas, uh, you know, forced to stay on tour for the better part of four months straight, multiple stays in quarantine, forking out I don't know how much money. Uh, not to mention the mental anguish of being locked in a room for two weeks, away from loved ones. But, uh, you know, they came together as a crew, they backed each other in, they showed plenty of grit, and they put together a performance every bit as satisfying for me as Owen medalling at the Olympics, as Mick winning a world title, it had the hairs standing up on the back of my neck, absolutely fucking mental, they did the country proud, it might not be a world title, but uh, just to see that, that kind of back against the wall, coming out swinging culture, alive and well in Australian surfing nah, was, was a, a huge boost. was paradise, the Changers this year, <laughs> just, at the end of the CT season, we were just like, what the fuck's going on here, man? Like, this is a full-blown, well, I think we called it our Australian surfing's darkest day, Smithy. And uh, yeah, it was just like, I thought, what's going to happen here? Well, the battlers, mate, as they do, they put on their fucking work boots, they pulled up their stubbies, balls hanging out the side, bit of fig jam running down the legs, and you know what they did, mate? They fucking got it done. And I think at the end of the day, we ended up having more qualifiers than any other country, Uh, certainly on the men's, four to, I think, Brazil had two, uh, Hawaii had two, US had two, I keep those separate just for uh, history's sake, and uh, a couple of other countries getting in there as well for the first time. Costa Rica, good to see uh, Peru, Carlos Munoz, Peru in there as well. And then uh, on the women's side, you know, India flying the flag for Australia and, um, yeah, a couple of near misses for our Aussie girls. But I did love seeing that camaraderie and just – I think you're right. that It fed into the battler mentality to not be travelling with 200 other people, to just get your crew – Pull it in tight like you're packing into a fucking scrum at some park rugby league Sunday fixture and just fucking do it for your team. Uh, and by default, really represent the country well. So, geez, I was backing it, mate. Oh, man. Fantastic. They talk about the Brazilian storm, the Hawaiian groundswell. Well, here come the Aussie raincoats. The Aussie, <laughs> the Aussie scrum. The- Pack it down. Straight up field. Yeah, nah, fuck, mate. What a performance it was. Uh, I mean, still a long way off winning a world title. We're not really in that conversation Mm. yet in any real way. But uh, 
we're on the right track, and um, you know, just to see guys compete with heart is enough for me. I'll, uh, you know, I'll never take anything away from people who are putting it all in. A lot of these guys, they might be sponsored, but you'd be surprised how little money they're commanding. You know, mm. Liam O'Brien, Jacko Baker, these guys were fully working class while uh, you know coming up with the funds to chase the QS and the Challenger Series. They're, they're relying on GoFundMe pages, um, their communities, their board riders. We're all chipping in. These are working, awesome. working class people dipping Grassroots into their, fucking coinage, mate. Grassroots support. Uh, dipping into their own pockets um, and just putting it in the kitty of these kids and sending them abroad. Yeah, mate. Fuck, I it's saw old fucking... school classic chook raffles. <laughs> it's like hearts I'm pretty back. sure I saw Jack O'Baker walking down fucking the main street of Merriweather, bucket in one hand, sponge in the, in the other, knocking on doors. Hey, mate, do you need your car wash? Five bucks for a car wash. Yeah, I'm just saving up to go on the queue. Fuck, it's classic. And, you know, not many, not many other countries have a story like that. This is the workers' paradise. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just, it is what we do here. And, uh, you know, you hear it on the broadcast. People talk it like the Americans. You know, it's quite a foreign concept to them having to, you know, scrap together the coin to, to go abroad, pro surfers working for a living. Um, but, yeah, it really does hark back to the kind of the 1980s, 1990s of surfing, rugby league, you know, half amateur, half professional uh, and I think it, it makes it all taste a bit sweeter once you get there. And it, like we said, you know, when you can push through that adversity and, and you know, break through and get to that next level, that's when, that's when all the rewards come to you. And I really believe that you know, these guys belong mm. on the world tour and all that grit is going to serve them very well in the and coming season. Don't discount the morgue's effect, mate. The, 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 the shockwaves of what morgue's did last year will be felt for a few years to come. I think... More than anything, it's going to put a rocket up those those you know uh, mid tier guys, uh, your, your Callanans, your Ethan Ewings, like that sort of crew. You, you just got to be looking at Morgs going, "Fuck, mate, that's what I need. I need to tap that." And the thing is, that's an attitude that these guys, these new rookies, already have. Like it's not coming easy for these guys. Every fucking result is a tooth and nail, fucking blue eyed, black eyed fight. To, uh, to get it done. So they're going to be bringing a really cool new fucking uh, group energy onto mm. that tour, mate. And you watch. That will infect all the Aussies on tour, especially the Aussies. Like, I think that there's a real undeniable brother and sisterhood that's coming on tour with this new wave of rookies. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, confidence as a rookie can be really hard to come by, especially when you're coming up against your Johns, your Medinas, your Idlows in those opening rounds. But I'll tell you what can you know, work as a good substitute mm. for confidence. That's aggression. That's anger. That's fucking, you know, you don't know what I've fucking had to go through to get here, cunt. And like, I'm, I'm just, I'm here. I belong. Whether, you know, whether my surfing's, uh, you know, up to your level or not, I'm going to give you a real fight in this yeah. heat. And I actually really feel like that's coming out of the Australian contingent. We've already seen it, man. We've already seen it from Liam O'Brien uh, in the Rottnest event. Nice. You know, fucking going up against... <laughs> A world tour icon and firebrand in Flores. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously not in the same heat, but just any fucking slight against Flores, you know you're going to cop an absolute mm. spray. And he went there and copped the spray and fucking got on with the job and had a you know one of the, the great uh, contest results for Mate, a that shook year. it off like a wet dog getting out of a pool. Just fucking <laughs> quick body shaking on with the show. No worries there. Yeah, I think this is going to be... Uh, I think you're right, Smithy. I think there's going to be a fair bit of fucking anger going on to this tour next year. You know, we've got Zeke Lau back. He means business. He didn't like what, what you know, spending a couple of years on the sideline and 
watching uh, the brother, you know, his brothers that he grew up with um, do well on tour, and uh, he'll be wanting to represent that traditional Hawaiian power surfer as well, which you know we we really have sort of missed, I think. Uh, on tour in the last few years so mm. the fire brands mate here they come and fucking 2022 is going to be all the better off for it some of you can't fucking wait mate you and me will be down there shadow boxing setting up the boxing ring on the side of the beach i just hope the australians great. throw away that that sense of not belonging you know we even heard joel parkinson talk about on the podcast how many years it took him to feel like he belonged mm. on the world tour it's not about that it's it, it's it's not about whether you feel like you belong you've put the hard work in you've battle through adversity, you're fucking there, mm. so you rip in and yeah. you take no prisoners and you fucking go straight at John John, you go straight at Medina, you get up and in their face and you put it on them. Mate, those cunts are sitting on fucking millions of dollars, you're sitting on a fucking shovel if you don't if you and, don't make a couple heats. And like. to, to, you know, to their advantage, not to, to, to the big dogs, but to the advantage of the rookies, like they're not even looking at you. Those guys don't even have you in their radar. Like, so if you get in their face and you put yourself on their map, you know, they're going to start fucking having to wake up and just pay a bit of respect. Because that, really, that's where John John got it wrong uh, last, uh, this year, sorry, in the Aussie leg. It was Morgs times two. You know, at first he just got stitched up along the rocks there at Merriweather, home crowd. Everyone felt like, wow, well, fuck, put that in your in your in your memory bank morgues because that'll never happen again and then a, a, an event later he does it again at Narrabeen and John John just was left you know basically fucking on a, floating on a rock mate mm. couldn't get back to the beach because he'd just been absolutely stitched and I think that uh, yeah approaching those guys with a distinct lack of respect is might be the way to go for these rookie class that's right and I think success um, to that kind of level you're talking about mm. your Medinas Johns your Lowe's it can be very corrosive at the same time it can lead to a kind of uh, you know a sense of entitlement arrogance and, and also just a kind of laziness that you don't have you're not allowed to have it when you're on the come up so I really hope the Australians leave no stone unturned. You're going to have to work twice as hard. Mm. Uh, and, and that's so you fucking should. You know, there's no shame in that, mate. I'll tell you, working twice as hard as a professional surfer is nothing compared to mixing mud on a hot summer's <laughs> day in the Northern Rivers <laughs> or fucking sell, uh, you know, washing sand off soft tops from some Scandinavian cunt who's fucking you know, yeah. full of himself. So nah, 100%. Just, Think about what you've gone through to get to where you're at. Well, here we go. Ripping. Here we go, guys. Here we go. 2022. It's just oh, it whiffs of fucking pure hatred. Bring it on, the tour. Go the walls. Competition surfing. Rashes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Reg Grundies. All right, Vaughn. So our World Tour graduate class 2022 is on the men's at number 22, Zeke Lau from the south shore of Oahu, Firebrand. Um, and similar to his fellow south shore product, Keanu was seeing in that he's actually more at home in smaller high-performance conditions um, than the big Polynesian juice, juice, although he's no slouch in that either. Expecting more from him this year than previous years. Incredible style, ferocious power, agile, electric. He's also got a very decent, lofty punt game. I love the take-no-prisoner competitive approach, whether it's John John or Medina. He's going to put it on you, and I love that. Mm, yeah, that's what I'm loving too, the fire. He's coming back with... Uh, 
a point to prove. Didn't like getting knocked off. We've seen it work for other Hawaiians in the past. Andy Irons being probably the most notable guy to, you know, fail to qualify and come back, get three world titles. I don't see Zeke doing that, but I definitely see him getting CT wins and I definitely see him getting right up in his old mate, John John Florence's grill, right up in his neck, beard, hair, and just fucking ripping at it. Pretty piss weak, if you ask me. At number 23, Liam O'Brien, the burly battler, worked a retail job to fund his QS campaign, also relied heavily on donations from the Burley Board Riders Club's club to subsidize his travel expenses uh he's actually from pretty far inland west of surfers paradise um so he's never actually had it easy at any point he's a real gritty battler also scored in the high 90s out of 100 in his end of school exams um and has put an engineering degree on hold while he pursues his world tour ambitions he's got all of burley behind him which is a fucking storied gritty club with plenty of world tour and professional surfing lineage dating way back to the 70s and one of them in his corner ctr uh, former ctr and coach jay bottle thompson he plays his cards close to his chest but he's uh he's had people tearing tearing up back there at burley i spoke mm. to a few of the crew from burley this week and you could hear how much it meant to him Yep, Lobby uh, proved his worth at Rottnest Island, semi-final appearance uh, in his first ever CT. Crack and Smivy uh, just showed signs in that event that he's kind of got the uh, the long, beautiful, drawn-out point style that we love, but fuck, he did a backside turn in that event that was as tight and just in the pocket and just so technique flawless that uh, I think there's a bit more sting than just the old-fashioned point carve. So, <coughs> excuse me, keep an eye out for Lobby this year. I think he'll be a, a rookie on the go. Hey. Sting is the word. I'm expecting him to surprise people on tour this mm. year. At number 24, Conor O'Leary, the big rig from Cronulla, all 90 kegs of him, looking to make uh, a, a big statement this year, I think, after an on-again, off-again tour career so far. So much talent, so much potential. Why hasn't he unlocked it yet, VD? I think he's, uh, well, fuck, he's gone close. I guess uh, he got a ninth in his first ever CT. He's made finals in Fiji. He's, he's, he's a guy who you expect to just see do better. But honestly, Smith, I reckon it's the fucking camaraderie factor. I reckon, like, what we heard him talk about with Jacko, it suits him to also be a little bit older, a leader on tour, and he will thrive uh, bringing that team mentality. You know, it's... I think Connor is at his best when he's surrounded by people who amp him up and who he can impart a bit of wisdom on. So he'll take on that responsibility, and I think that might be the thing. He said it himself, mate, lonely on tour. You don't hear many people talk like that. And uh, it's a real insight into sort of where he can get, maybe just lose a little bit of his energy. Yeah, I think he'll really relish the role of uh, being a little more senior, but also having that team mentality around him. It's a pretty piss week, if you ask me. 2022, I think it's the year of Conor O'Leary. He Go surfs O'Leary. too fucking black? good, uh, you know, not to be up in that top half of the, the ratings. Mm-hmm. Number 25, Jake Marshall, lanky Southern Californian, first guy to crack the tour from San Diego since Taylor Knox and Rob Machado in 93. Yeah. Long time between drinks, so you can only imagine the hometown reception he'll be getting. Uh, you'd imagine the likes of TK, at, at the very least, will be in his corner, giving him a bit mm. of a rev up. Although, I mean, that'll be the, the case of our board riders' culture here. I'm not too sure how they roll over there in America. Mm. Prediction for, for Jake Vaughan? Uh, well, I, I didn't give him much of a, really much of a second thought when we were doing our uh, preview into the Halle Ever event. He, he was impressive over there. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of him surfing throughout the year, mate. He's He's... Really is the kind of the unknown quantity for me heading into next year. 
um, a lot lighter than a lot of the big rigs on tour. So that'll work for him in, in some waves. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know, <coughs> Smithy, about Jake. It, it'll be uh, sort of, you know, it'll be a bit of a, an education for me to see how he goes next year. But with that in mind, I don't see him travelling the top half of the ratings. Get back on protection, you mark. Number 26, Callum Robson, the Evans head battler, completely unheralded uh, prior to this season. Nuggety, no frills, powerhouse, grit for days, a man of few words but many a meat hack. Love everything <laughs> about this fella, Vaughan. Uh, particularly enjoyed the under-the-lip drop on a 10-plus footer at Haliva, followed up by a huge meat hack in the most critical section, uh, a section that you know I'd be fucking going dead straight mm. on and most people uh, in the event would have been. But I uh, got the second over Crosby Colapinto, who was the form surfer of the event, knocked him. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Oh, I love Cal. Absolutely love what he brings. I think he's hitting his straps at a perfect time in his career. He's he's uh, he's not a young whippet who's uh, got to grow into his surfing. He's a hundred percent there. So uh, all he can really do is get onto the CT and fucking start dismembering shit. You just don't want to see a guy like Cal get too stuck in his head. Just get out there. Fucking get the power game at full rev and just drop the clutch and fucking do burnouts and donuts all over fucking Medina's face, mate. You can do it, Cal. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> no, uh, he's, the, he's the big rig. And I just love, mate, Evans Head, have you been there? It's beautiful, but fuck me, it's a tough little town. Yeah. I reckon he's uh, he's going to bring a, a really healthy sort of rural, coastal, yes. vintage attitude to this tour. Great town, idyllic, but watch out. You don't kick a needle on the way to the surf. <laughs> hey. Dog. Oh, sorry. Number 27, <laughs> Sammy Pupo uh, joins older brother Miguel on tour. The first Brazilian uh, brother duo on tour since what? Flavio and Neko Paterats? Oh, I mean, wow. We, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I just never cease to be amazed by how well prepared Brazilian surfers are when they arrive at the event. Uh, in particular, their ability to be on the best waves in a heat uh, and consistently put up competitive heat totals no matter where they are in the world and um i think this has is is, is part of the the secret formula to the brazilian storm and their success and i think it's a lot to do with the camaraderie and having so many eyes on the water and so many opinions coming at you uh, and that's something where australia's really fallen in a heap Mm. as we heard earlier in the program from from connor and jacko um you know Semi come up in the same crew as Medina, Miguel, Jadson. And, you know, he was an 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid coming up, like, in the jet stream of the Brazilian storm. Uh, he's got Luis Pinga Campos, the, the mastermind behind D'Souza, Jadson, mm. Idolo, uh, as, he, as his go-to kind of confidant as well. So... Yeah, it's going to be wild, mate. I think he's, uh, he's going to shock people. He's, yeah. he's definitely going to be a competitor. You know that much. Oh, it was a tight one for Sammy. He, he really was the bolter. If you look at sort of the way that the ratings played out heading into that last event, he ha- had the final to, to qualify and he did that. And he, uh, he was really impressive, man. I just I love that uh, once the stress like left his body, once he hit that qualification, geez, he lit it up. He, he really surfed free and uh, sort of showcased CT level of performance i thought so congratulations to sammy and uh yeah it always helps big bro it's like fucking i mean there's plenty to surf for when you're a brazilian you want to be in the mix as you said you you don't want to sort of be dragging the chain behind the uh just the glory that they've experienced over the past decade but just having your bro there, mate. Doesn't matter how much you love him. You want to fucking smash the car. <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing I've observed of the Brazilians. They have this, you know, intense camaraderie and, and this love, this bond, like this brotherhood on tour. But then they also have the ability to ice it for heats mm. and just let, and leave it all 
on the shore, go yeah. out there, rip each other's contest rashies to shreds, and then come back and fucking <laughs> hug each other and cry it out if need be on the shore. Nah, and it's amazing. incredible. And I think we have to find that space in Australia too. Oh, man. Like my favorite story of just about any Ain't That Swell live show we've ever done was um, when Jaddy and, and uh, Italo, you know, were touring together, uh, competing against each other. And, you know, Jaddy had never beat Italo. And he was just always so, so you know, you get home and he'd go, I always bite my tongue. I, I didn't want to make him feel bad. I tried to, like, you know, amp him up for the rest of the event, even though I could never beat him. And then he finally beats him. And Italo didn't talk to him for three days. <laughs> and it was a Kiwi. <laughs> that wasn't even a CT. Wow. Oh, I love that story so much. But you're so right, man. They're so, like, um, and we were just talking about it outside before, Smithy. Like, the entourage factor just doesn't come into it. Like, they, they've all grinded it out for years with no one but each other for support there's no uh there's no one else to lean on so really you know when they're losing they're they're, they're leaning on the guys who have beaten them for, for support to get through it and to, and to keep the chin up and go into the next one with a, a you know a, a sense that it's still possible that mm. you can still fucking do it and a lot of that comes through just shared adversity um you know mm. a lack of industry support yeah um seeing guys like jadson the the, the very you know the, the the least likely guy as the spearhead of the brazilian storm i mean ads of course but uh you know jadson is the spirit animal well, but jadson could be the basically uh the closest thing to a uh sorry a, what we were saying about connor you know, like a, a guy who uh, had success, was inconsistent here and there, but in the back half of his career, once he really found his home in, in, the, uh, in the ratings and became a bit of a, a, an elder, how good did he start surfing? Like he just fed off it, mate, being the wise old man of the tour for the Brazilians. And all of a sudden he's taken off at fucking Chopu and just getting drained on like, you know, nine pointers. And you're just going, what? How inspiring has yeah. that got to be for his countrymen to see a guy 100%. like that just, you know, rise to the occasion? Yeah, he does, like we talk about the sense of belonging, a sense of self-belief. There is no fucking way in the world that that cunt could have any sense of belonging or self-belief at Chopes. But he <laughs> sense it like a maniac 100%. and come up with, you know, high quality scores, yeah. heat wins. And that's just got to put a rock and up everyone. And he's beloved, mate. He's beloved. Like, like the, you talk to any of those Brazilians, like he's the guy, you know. Susie's the guy, but Jaddy is the guy. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. Hey, at uh, twenty-eight, Nat Young, the Santa Cruz backside former tour prodigy, fell off tour amidst the passing of both parents, which you know that's unimaginably mm. tragic, and you can't begrudge him for a dip in form. Uh, he's back, and he'll take some stopping. I reckon Vaughn, uh, you know, the grit in that bloke. Wow, mm. uh, Kalanen-esque. Yeah, grit is uh, 100% a fucking priceless commodity on tour. You just... Bigger than Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, oh mate, if, if, if you're fucking brittle of mind, brittle of soul, brittle of fucking, you know, conscience, and we have seen big, big names just fucking melt when things stop going their way, you know, uh, I think that Nat Young, he he's going to, as we said last time, approach these heats with a, a better view of the world. Uh, pro surfing fits into... <laughs> sort of a life construct as uh, a, a f an opportunity to to do something that he loves and earn a bit of coin. It's not the be all and end all. And fuck, that can play well. That can play so well, especially on experienced shoulders, man. Like I agree with you. Hard to stop, and wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he challenges, you know, the top of the the draw in more than a couple of events. It's Don't see him challenging for world titles, but I definitely see him, you know, causing a lot of trouble mm. for rookies and just. Fuck it. There could be some hardcore schooling going down here, Smithy. Yeah, there's not not quite enough versatility in his surfing to challenge for a world for a world title. Um, but 
yeah, you expect him to take some big scalps, especially at any right-hand point mm. or reef on tour. Hey. Number 29, Imai DeVault, the Maui meat-hacking, power-punting, tube pig. Uh, choked at Haliever, but Pipe and Sunset, you'd think, are going to suit him big time and potentially lead to some big results, which will improve his seeding and, more importantly, his confidence, which, uh, like grit, is an all-important commodity for rookies. Mm, and he's a bit of a, you know, he's... He's a bit of a wild card, Imai, because uh, in Portugal, he was probably the guy pushing progression in those waves. You know, they weren't the easiest waves to be doing, big fucking tail blows and, uh, you know, throwing a bit of uh, imagination at. Uh, a lot of the surfing we saw in Portugal this year during that Challenger Series event was pretty much just stock standard meat and potatoes power surfing. So I'm just curious to see, you know, how a guy like Imo is gonna is gonna what what he'll bring to the tour. Is he a guy who's gonna get rattled by big names? Is he a guy who's gonna be able to, you know, rely on a clutch move to get out of trouble if he's in the dying seconds of a heat? Yeah, real wild card this guy, but exciting Smithy, like a guy you want to see. Um, you know, you want to see what he can do uh, in that next step up because he's done a wonderful job on that Challenger Series, man. Can he match it with the big guys? Get back on protection, you mate. At number 30, Luca Messinas, the first male Peruvian world tour surfer ever. Uh, Huge. Massive accomplishment. Fucking massive. Wow. Hails from the same town that Ernest Hemingway wrote The Old Man in the Sea in. Uh, But uh, Hemingway... It appears failed to doff the cap to the local call lords lighting up the long lefts and packing go-go cylinders back there in the <laughs> there wasn't, that, uh, there wasn't a line in the old man in the sea nah, somewhere? No, nah. I don't think so. I mean, but maybe... Just like as the old man putted out of the harbour, he doffed his cap to a young natural footer fucking blasting the back out of it one after the other. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> well, maybe it's just that Corey didn't want to blow it out for him. Maybe Hemingway was rinsing corn of the best of it. Oh, fuck it. Actually, that, that would be so Hemingway, wouldn't Very it? Hemingway. I'm, I'm not about to blow out this Peruvian left. <laughs> not on my watch, boys. <laughs> See you in Paris, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fucking golden. But, uh, yeah, sick to hear uh, Luca Messina's talk about how much he was inspired by the great 2004 Peruvian women's world champ, Sofia Milanovic, who was a mentor to him. Mm. So, yeah, fuck, it's insane the footprint that, uh, and the legacy that Sofia left on just South American surfing at large. Such a legend, man, and really far out, yeah. I mean, her, her, they're, they're royalty. It's, it's, it's no joke. It's like... Uh, that was before she got onto her. <laughs> pretty fucking minted. Pretty this week, if you ask me. But at number 31, we've got Jiao Chianca, the Brazilian little bro of big wave maniac Luca. Didn't know much about him coming into the event, but geez, he had great timing, I thought, in the few heats that I saw him in. Uh, great style, too. Gone are the days of Brazilians, uh, you know, being, well... Poo men and ugly surfers. There's still a bit of that, but they've also got their style masters in 2022. It's going to be really interesting to see how Zhao fits into this uh, Brazilian storm because he, he operates seemingly to me kind of on his own program. He's a skits tube pig. I think he had a, made a final at the Vulcan Pipe Pro. And the only, other, right. the only other commendable kind of uh, wave I've seen him ride was uh, during a free surf in a Brazilian event where the bank lined up like backdoor and he just got this fucking double, triple section chamber, just an absolute throaty kind of eight mm. foot cone in Brazil, which is bizarre. But I guess uh, harking back to what we were saying in the last episode, 
being able to surf waves of mortal coniquins, just cones in general, kind of, it lends itself to a really functional, nice style. And I think he's got that. And it kind mm. of makes sense. His brother's a big wave maniac. And I think he's uh, you know, developed that style that those kind of waves demand. It's a, He's another unknown quantity. I think uh, it'll be... Interesting to see how he levels up against, you know, top seeds and how he deals with that sort of pressure. But, you know, he's done the work so far, so well done, Zhao. Hey. Number 32, Jackson Baker. Ah, here he comes. The Novocastrian. The ginger mo himself, eh? Oh, so much grit. Working a delivery job to fund his RQS campaign, relying on donations from the Merriweather Board Riders community. Yeah. And what a fucking Board Riders community that is. I mean, you do not have to go far to run into some world tour or world title pedigree yeah. or just fucking top brass free surfing pedigree in that community. Mark Richards, Luke Egan, Matt Hoy, Craig Anderson, Travis. Travis Lynch, Mitch Ross, uh, Philippa Anderson, Ryan Callanan, all contemporaries more or less. You know, that's the spanning of one to two generations. Mm. They're all still there and active in the community. There'll be so much fucking heat and s- rockets coming from every direction to go up Jacko's ring and <laughs> propel him to a proud performance on the 22 World Man, Tour. I don't think there's a more popular qualifier for this year's tour. Uh, he really captured the imagination of Australian surf fans in particular in, in his run towards uh, Halle Eva. The big result in Portugal, but far out, mate. Like, geez, there's some fucking characters on this this next 2022 tour. You chuck Morgs and Jacko, uh, who are old mates, old sparring partners, into the mix, and uh, you're just going from heat to heat, going, oh fuck, well, how good's this? You know, uh, that that middle ground and that tail end. I, I can't st- stress here enough, Smithy, how fun it's going to be watch to watch that now that there's a mid year cutoff. All of a sudden, man, you're not just looking at who's beaten top five seeds. You're looking at where are people placing. And every heat is going to give you something to fucking cheer for. And I'm just so stoked on that. And Jacko, mate, fuck, I really, really think uh, with uh, all of that stress and cortisone put aside after making the grade, he might actually feel nice and loose going into his first few events. He might be going, well, I don't want to fucking go through that shit again, so let's just try and get a couple of results on the board early. Hope you get the lot, you dog. You talk about characters, uh, there's no bigger characters in this class of 2022 than the Costa Rican at number 33, Carlos Munoz, uh, the first Costa Rican male to make the world tour ever, been through hell and back to get their mental section in snapped for Mental. jazzy, electric, cat-like surfer. Hard to see him challenging the top brass on tour, though. Nah, I can't see it, but uh, he'll give people plenty to cheer about. He's an entertainer, 100%. And uh, probably the best big, you know, fro-like hairdo we've seen since Rob Machado was on tour mm. back in the day. Rocking the old, uh, yeah, the old uh, bouffant. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think uh, what you're going to see from uh, Carlos is... He'll be the guy who, you know, if, if a heat's not going his way, he'll just start throwing. He'll start throwing out the fucking Hail Marys, and uh, that gives everyone lots to enjoy. Uh, post-heat interviews could also be a lot of fun. You're listening to Blitzed Radio, a lightning rod of pro surfing shoved into the eye of your old man. In the women at number 11, Gabriella Bryan, the Kawaiian core lord, tall frame, I uh, love the fluent transitions through her powerful manoeuvres at Haleva. Great style. What is it about the waves on Kauai that seem to generate these incredibly well-rounded surfers, Vaughn? 
Jeez, uh, don't know if I can say it out loud. Smithy might have a fucking plane load of fucking the big fellas coming <laughs> over to Barry Vorno in the fucking front yard, mate. <laughs> uh, a lot of lot of options over there, a lot of top quality ways, but um, far out, mate. They're basically, what's really trippy is there's kind of like a mini version of almost all the good waves on tour on Kauai. Uh, yeah, they've got some really good little sandbanks. They've got little slabby reefs. They've got long winding points. They've basically got everything covered. So, yeah, you're not really uh, coming onto the tour with without some sort of knowledge of how to surf almost every type of setup. And, um, you know, like you, you've heard for years that the reason why the Irons boys were so comfortable at uh, Chopes was because there's a, a little mini Chopes reef not far from where they grew up. Um, things like that, mate. So, yeah, Gabriella Bryan, just far out. It's just, uh, you know, can't say it enough, but that generation of young women coming through is just too good. They're so, so good. You look at the list of surfers that's come off that island and it does not get more pure. You know, no. the, the Irons brothers, uh, Kiala Kennelly, Rochelle mm. Ballard, Sebastian Seats, you know, the Alexander brothers, fucking uh, Reef McIntosh, Denny Fuller, Eamon oh. Goodwin. Mm. It's, it's, it's an endless cavalcade of stylish... Core lords that can pack it in cones of mortal consequence, and uh, yeah, you're thinking Gabriella Bryan is right out of that mold. Yeah, ready to go. And uh, and another thing, and I mentioned this with Katie Simmons as well, mate. Just the fucking absolute belief in a heat. Like the heat heads are just well, look, they're they're formed. Like they just they don't get rattled. They don't make bad choices. It's like they've popped out of a machine and they're just ready to compete. Uh, unbelievable. I just uh, I think that the the amount of uh, competition in that generation, uh, they've all been at it and at each other for so long that they've just progressed. They've kind of almost leapfrogged uh, the generation above them already. Mm-hmm. So no shortage of aggression yeah. coming out of that island. Pretty either. amazing. Pretty yeah. amazing. Hey. Number twelve, Breeze Hennessy, the Costa Rican, is back for another go. Hey. At number thirteen, Betty Lou Sakura, uh, Sakura. However you say it, secured a ninth at the Maui event earlier this year, which ended up at Pipeline. Um, you expected, yeah, you know, she's going to have a crack in Hawaii for sure. Had Good a time. pair of wins in Tahitian Pro Juniors this year. 16 years old, Honolulu raised, which means she'll be at home in marginal conditions as well as the long period heavy water stuff. Carissa 2.0, basically. Yeah, like and it. also just, you know, has the wisdom uh, of Ross Williams in one ear and John John as a sparring partner in the other. And it's just, a, it's... Yeah, she's part of the, of the number one team over there. And I just think 16 will not rattle her. I think she's got the the minerals there, Smivy, to make it count straight mm. off the bat. Mm. I, I don't see any sort of growing pains on tour. She's She's got the fizz of Tatiana. She's that competitive. Fizz, she's got minerals, she's got egg jam. <laughs> yeah, what commodity mate. doesn't she have, Vaughn? <laughs> I don't know, but she's ready to go and you watch. She'll... Uh, I, I, yeah, it's it's really fascinating, man. Like uh, the the this young generation, the only fucking Achilles heel that they might have is that they've poked the bear, and the bear is the big three, big four, big five: um, Carissa, Steph, Tyler, um, Tatiana. Mm. Not liking what they're throwing down because if those four start getting the shits, well, that's something we haven't really seen mm. them bring to the tour. Mm. And I think that's where it could go pear-shaped. It could be a fucking bloodletting if uh, the top four start getting pissed off. Well, you reckon Arnie Riss Riss has had a gutty, eh? Arnie Riss might be fucking not, not so kind anymore, mate. Might not be cuddles. 
Might be bear traps. Pretty piss weak if you ask me. At number 15, India Robinson. Hey. At number 16, Luana Silva. Another Hawaiian. Jeez, there's some big Hawaiian NRG mm. in this uh, 2022 World Tour program. And at number 17, the wild card, Malia Manuel. Another Hawaiian. Uh, and just to quickly doff the cap to Owen Wright. The injury wild card, Fantastic. number 34. In the All right. Uh, big one for O, mate. Um, look, I believe Owen Wright is still a world title contender. But you look at the, you look at the uh, events that are on tour and you look at the fact that you only have to finish top five to be challenging for a world title, I can see it happening. The big challenge for O is that he is going to be the lowest seed. So he'll be surfing... Straight off the bat against your John Johns, your Gabes, your Idolos and your Philippes, your Jack Robbos, etc. But, mate, Pipeline, cool. Sunset, he's fucking got game at both those oh, waves. Man. And you just oh, – like, Owen, if there's a wave oh, – I actually did a chat with him, which we're going to be releasing soon. Um, it was the very first ever Q&A where we – the Swellians versus Smivy. It's coming soon, but a really good question in there was uh, – you know, is he still rattled or is he rattled by Pipeline? Was it a mental hurdle mm. that he had to get over? And he said, yep, it scared the fucking shit out of him. He wasn't quite ready for it. Wow. But now he's back and he loves it again. So <laughs> look out, man, because it is one of those waves that he hasn't had a result at. And that year he got injured, everyone was basically – I think he was an outside chance at the world title that year and the performance he, he put in that season were fucking pretty much, you know, making the fucking top dogs feel nervous. So – yeah, I reckon O could uh, come out of the gates with a real statement here, especially after um, you know the high of Tokyo and the low of missing qualification. That's a wrap, Fawn. Next stop, Pipeline. Woo! You've been listening to Blitzed, an Ain't That Swell pro-surfing sponge bath.